0: Recording live from the Hoban Law Group here in Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Eric Singular. We're sitting alongside president and founder of the Hoban Law Group, Bob Hoban. Today we are talking about an update on Illinois three months into adult use legalization, and we are joined. By counsel to the Hoban Law Group and co-host of the Deadhead Cannabis Show, Larry Mishkin. Larry, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing just great. Uh, everything is fine here in Chicago. We're still sheltering in place, but uh, the weather's been nice enough to be able to get out and walk around the block a few times. So uh, nothing to complain about. How's everything in uh, Denver?
0: We're doing good. We are uh, social distancing quarantining. And, uh, you know, last night we had a a number of people participating in a moon howl. Uh, So we've seen different things around the world, uh, ways that people are celebrating healthcare workers. That was a little strange thing that happened here in Denver last night. Um, But we're doing good. Okay. So,
2: you know, Eric, that's been happening in in, in Evergreen, where I live uh, for the last week. And I was out, uh, gosh, it had to have been Last Wednesday night, I was in my garage working on something or other, and I started to hear the yips and the, the howls. There, there are coyotes in my neck of the woods, and I thought, well, I haven't, I haven't heard anything like this in a long time. Uh, so I went in, and I said, you got to hear this. And anyway, that explains it. Uh, and it seems like it, it's catching on in other places. That's uh, good to hear. So that's
1: fun. Okay. I'll have to go through on my window and see what I can hear. Okay. <laughs> you never know
0: you never know so Larry it's uh it's That's been right. three months since the legalization of uh, recreational or adult use marijuana in the prairie state uh, tell us how it's gone what are the uh, what are the obstacles you're facing how are uh, how's it all looking
1: well the, the short answer is looking great and it's looking great both uh, financially and it's looking great in terms of operation uh, As of uh, yesterday, uh, I went online and checked and confirmed that with uh, 53 adult-use dispensaries operating in the state right now, uh, they have done combined over $100 million in business in 2020. Now, understanding that this is in a system where they're constantly running out of product, they have lines around the block, uh, a lot of the uh, municipalities have opted out, so there's only certain locations where they can even have these dispensaries. Uh, and they've done over 100 million dollars worth of business, so everybody is ecstatic about that. Um, and you know, it, it, it's been a great thing. And once we get the uh, the rest of uh, adult-use dispensaries and a few more craft grows online, uh, uh, as a result of the most recent round of licensing work that's going on. That will make it even better, I think, and even stronger. But this coronavirus has not slowed down the rate of sale. In fact, if anything, they've seen an uptick as people stock up to uh, uh, shelter in place, Uh, and then in a move that's A million years, and, and in a relatively short time, uh, Governor Pritzker added that uh, provision, and now there's a lot of thought that perhaps he's going to go straight to home delivery, uh, which would be another amazing thing for us in terms of uh, uh, ratcheting up business. So we're, we're very, very excited. Uh, the, the round of uh, applications for uh, the additional adult use dispensaries closed on January 2nd, and those are supposed to be announced on May 1st. And then... Uh, On April 30th, we'll hit the deadline for applications for craft grows, which are defined as 5,000 square feet of canopy space or less, processing licenses and transportation licenses. These these applications were all due on March 16th. Uh, Governor Pritzker extended it to March 30th, and now it's been extended to April 30th. I'm sure due in large part to the the virus and the uh, impact that it's had on people being able to get business done. Um, but I'm very busy. All uh, the other attorneys I know that are doing this work right now are busy. So it looks like it's good for everyone. And uh, we're very excited about it.
2: Well, Mayor, let me let me let me talk about your governor for a minute, because this is an interesting case study. Hey, uh, he's certainly tangled with our president on this uh, this covid scenario uh, and uh, has exhibited a lot of leadership seemingly in that way, at least from an outsider. Uh, So I'd love to hear your perspective on how that's perceived within Illinois. But also, you know, when you look at a governor that comes on, especially a new governor, that comes on and is able to effectuate the, uh, the idea that cannabis is a business that should be commercialized and expanded. We saw that in New Jersey, with New Jersey's present governor coming in promising within the first 100 days he was going to be in office that things were going to change here and that ran into political roadblocks, perhaps because of his leadership style and the fact that he didn't have a lot of political capital. So it's not exactly apples to apples. But can you talk about uh, Pritzker's leadership here and just the fact that he's embraced this and was able to get things done in a state with such a funky political pattern and path?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Bob. Um, you know, the short the answer to it is, you know, you got to go read a collection of Mike Royko columns to truly understand uh, the psyche of uh, the Illinois lawmakers, uh, which is uh, something that's you know, a whole political science class in and of itself. But Fritzker uh, has has really been wonderful in terms of in terms of all of this. Certainly on the coronavirus, I you know can say that Illinois, which I don't think to anybody's surprise, at least. Part of Illinois that I live in is not a uh, particularly big uh, Trump supporting area, and people have been very pleased with the way that Pritzker has has really spoken his mind and stood up for the people of Illinois in terms of making sure that we're covered and protected um, and, and, and doing all of that. So we're, we're very, very happy about that. Um, on the uh, cannabis front, uh, he's been a huge supporter of it and ran branded that as part of his platform and was running advertisements showing how. Part of his campaign and after he was elected he immediately came out and said this is it. we're going to put this in play right away. It's, it's something uh, that, that uh, should have been done a long time ago. He immediately expanded access to the, uh, to the medical program and now he thought on uh, the medical program that maybe had peaked at about 40 to 45,000 patients after four full years of open enrollment and now it's well over a hundred thousand people. Um, I, I think part of that, of course, is because people figured out that you don't have to pay the excise tax if you go that route. But nevertheless, Trudeau opened it up and made it more accessible to people in terms of qualifying conditions and everything. Um, so, as far as we're concerned, he's been a, uh, a, a huge fan of the cannabis industry. And you know, I like to think that part of it is because um, you know he's he's a, a businessman. and He comes from a family with a, a strong business background and a lot of financial success and Look, on on my uh, podcast that I do with Jim Marty from uh, Bridge West, uh, we we have a great time talking about all the things we agree about, and we agree to disagree uh, on a lot of political issues from time to time. Um, But nevertheless, we were talking about Chris Green, and he has something nice to say about him. And, you know, I think it's just that you find somebody who's willing to stand up and talk about what they believe in. And, look, Bob, you and I have had this conversation. I'm certainly not smart enough. Uh, you know, to know which half of America is right, other than to know that, you know, 50 50 is my mantra. And uh, But I, I, I really do like J.B. Pritzker, and I think that he stepped in and he really pushed the buttons that needed to be pushed in Illinois to get this accomplished. I think both legislators on the idea uh, that it not only was good for, you know, overall revenue, but it was good uh, for generating tourism, it was good for business, it would be good for revitalizing parts of. Uh, uh, all different parts of the state, and I think the real reason why they achieved success in Illinois, and and the one thing that Pritzker really put himself behind, which proved to be crucial, is the social equity component of the program, and that's where they gathered the support of uh, of the leaders from the uh, from the black caucus and from uh, various minority groups uh, who traditionally have not been very keen on the idea of legal cannabis because they see it as, a, as an idea that passes them right by while taking advantage of their neighborhoods and things like that. And everyone was quick to point out that in Illinois' medical program, there's not a single minority owner, or at least not majority minority, minority owner of any of the dispensaries or cultivation centers, including the ones that are located on the south side of the city. So the uh, social equity program is designed, and it's interesting because social equity is not Defined based on race or even on income, it's defined based on your experiences with the with the law, with the government on marijuana. So either you live or reside in a disproportionately impacted area, uh, meaning it's an area that the uh, that the, uh, the marijuana enforcement has been disproportionate to everywhere else, uh, or you can be a victim of uh, uh, the war on mar on the war on uh, the war on drugs. If you all you have to do is have been arrested for a uh, misdemeanor or a class four felony or lower, so nothing about that. As long as there's no violence and there was no sales to minors involved, uh, you can get it expunged. But at the same time, you can use it um, to go forward as a social equity applicant in Illinois. And uh, the idea is that this is a give back to people who have been negatively affected by the war on drugs. And, you know, they should have an opportunity to now be in a position to prosper from it, if you will. And, uh, the law says that you can use the social equity applicants on your application. If you do, you get 50 points, but that's out of 250 points. so That's pretty significant. But they have to own 51% of the company, so you can't just do it and have a have a minority face or a, uh, a social equity face at the head of your company. You have to submit your operating agreement and show that this person owns 51% or more and that they actually have control of the company. And that's that caused a little bit of consternation for folks here who, aren't necessarily keen on giving up control of a business um, uh, to somebody who they may not know or who they may not have the the requisite business background. But uh, for the most part, the people that I've worked with have been very open to, uh, you know, finding ways to accommodate the law and at the same time uh, push the business forward. And we'll give Pritzker credit for that because not only did he find a way to get everyone in the state to get on board with it, which in Illinois is not an easy thing to do, Um, But he's done it in a way where if the program is successful, uh, then people who are from these uh, impacted neighborhoods and who have been victims of the war on drugs themselves should now be able to find a way to benefit from it and profit from it. So uh, we're very excited about that and and happy that he was able to pull that together and put a program in place that's going forward. Some people would argue it's not perfect. And (coughs) excuse me, I don't disagree with that. But as you and I have talked about, Bob, it's always better to have a law on the books that allows adult use, even if it's not perfect and you're going to argue over it, as opposed to not having any law at all and arguing about what it might be. So uh, overall, it's done very well for us, and we're very
2: satisfied. Well, it seems like uh, there's also recently, to your point, everybody's been working on applications, yourself included, uh, within the great state of Illinois. Uh, for dispensary licensing of some sort, or at least uh, cultivation, uh, vertical licensing in that regard. What was the reason for the extension of those deadlines? Did that have to do with COVID? Was that a processing thing, or or was that in the works before uh, our shelter-in-place orders uh, and the economy slowed down?
1: Absolutely. And, And the short answer is that Nobody really knows 100% for sure because the announcements that have come out have been more along the general lines that uh, Governor Pritzker today signed the executive order or whatever, extending the filing deadline to this date. You'll now file by this date at this time. And and the one factor that they put in there uh, that led us to believe that it was COVID-related is that in the past, the the filing procedure was that you had to take your uh, application on a uh, thumb drive, stick it in an envelope, and take it to the post office and have it sent by um, uh, certified mail, return receipt requested. Um, and there was concerns that that, oh, no, excuse me, you, you were going to have to go and, and file it downtown and wait in line at the Department of Agriculture. And when they had the filing at the beginning of January for the uh, dispensaries um, at the Illinois Department of Financial Professional Regulation, uh, the line was so big that if you got in line at 9 o'clock in the morning, you were lucky if you were done by 5 o'clock in the afternoon. There was just hundreds and hundreds of people all gathered together, and they wanted to avoid that. So now he switched it to you have to take it to the post office and send it by certified mail, return receipt requested. And mm-hmm. I laughed, and you might appreciate this, Bob. I said, does that include the standard 3 by 5 card? But um, apparently, uh, apparently not. But nevertheless... Um, He then extended it on March 30th, and although he didn't say specifically again, I'd like to think that he extended it because he didn't want everybody on that Monday going down to their post office and all waiting in line back-to-back to to send by certified mail. Everything else, as you know, uh, can really be done electronically at this point. There's not a whole lot of in-person stuff that's required either on my end or typically from my client's end other than maybe going out and looking at a piece of property. Um, so the process has been rolling right along, and you know, from a lawyer's perspective, hey, you know, if there's more time, that's good. You can get a chance to catch your breath and uh, by the same token, uh, just signed up two new clients who just thought that there was months for months to get involved. thought, why not? Let's give it a try. So hey i I, I can't complain.
0: Well, and I, I have a question really for both of you guys. As you noted, Larry, um you know Illinois was the first state to pass this measure through legislation rather than the ballot measure, measure initiatives that we've seen elsewhere. And, and as you, you raise this point that there is probably an aspect of the social equity uh, that was included in there that, that probably got that further along. Uh, You know, maybe start with you, Bob, do you see legislation driving legalization more and more, especially given the success we're seeing in Illinois?
2: So the the social equity programs have been a major driver, uh, particularly in large cities, right? Uh, When you look at uh, state-level programs, the state-level programs have uh, largely been initiated by ballot measures, not necessarily by the states. And then when they're implemented, the states will take feedback and, and initiate with those social equity programs, which has really pushed legalization over the hump. It goes in line with an organization that, that we work with, the Last Prisoner Project. It goes in line with just a bunch of social justice elements. But certainly, it's, it's initiatives like that and the evolving concept of what legalized cannabis should be um, that's helping shape and getting additional buy-in from other folks. In fact, I have to tell you, uh, think about Denver. There's a particular neighborhood in Denver that uh, was opposed to marijuana legalization uh, from the very very get go and I don't know where they are uh, on things today, but because it would in fact not create
0: we lost we lost Bob. No, so okay. so so let's do this.
1: Sure who here, Bob, who
0: so why don't we do this since uh, since we lost him. If I put if can I put that same question to you and we'll uh We'll just do it, do it that way.
1: Yeah, just go ahead and ask me the question and If you would, I'll be happy to answer it.
0: You got it. So, Larry, you know, we, we have to note that Illinois was the first state to pass this adult use legalization through legislation. And, uh, you know, in other states like Colorado, California, this has all come from ballot measure initiatives. Do you think, given the success we're seeing in Illinois, other states will start to legalize through legislation?
1: Uh, you know, that's a great question, and it, I think that this is an issue that doesn't really get enough focus. All people focus on the fact is that Eleanor right now has adult youth, but the fact that we did it through the legislature, huge. because marijuana, although wildly popular among the population, when I say wildly popular, it, 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 it's close to 60% now uh, of the American public in polls that they take who support uh, legalized marijuana, uh, we still have it on Schedule 1. And the reason we have it on Schedule 1, in my opinion, is because we haven't had a president yet who's willing to spend the political capital necessary uh, to to take it off the schedule and and to make it legal. Um, And I I think that, you know, in that regard, for a lot of politicians, it becomes a third rail where very few of them want to venture. Uh, And so, the ballot initiatives make the legislators' jobs a lot more easier, because now they need voted it in just our job to, you know, make some rules to make it work. But in Illinois, which, uh, um, you know, can be very, very interesting, as I said earlier, in terms of how policy gets made, uh, both medical and adult use uh, were brought in through legislative action, which, uh, you know, actually required a lot of these, all of them, to to all of the legislators to go on the record and, and to make a vote as to whether they were for it or against it. And for years, the, uh, the medical uh, efforts had, had largely failed through the actions of uh, one of the state legislators from my home district, Karen Skokie, actually, a gentleman named Lou Lang, uh, who was one of the leaders of the House for uh, a number of years uh, before he retired a few years ago and uh, now works uh, in the industry with, with various groups. He was instrumental in making this happen and you know I'm sure that uh, there's all sorts of good stories about you know good old fashioned arm twisting and Illinois bargaining and, and whatever needed to be done to get it done but somehow he got the uh the medical path and that to me was more surprising because we went from zero to medical and not just medical but a medical state where the dispensary could sell the full array of products flour to extract everything instead of one of these vape only types of states and uh uh, only by the fluke of the fact that uh, uh, we elected a Republican governor as, as part of the, the, the Trump revolution, if you will. Uh, a few years ago, we wound up with a guy who came in and inherited a program he wanted nothing to do with. Um, and then we now have our governor uh, in place who supports the program. But yeah, I, I think it's tremendous that the legislature did it. And you know, to further answer your question... Sure, there's going to be states out there that are going to say, look, we have a financial financial issues too. We know that people in the states smoke, right? And that's, that's the line that I always use it, 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 For the legislators who think that their vote makes a difference, the only thing it makes a difference on is whether or not you're getting a piece of the action that already exists and that we know already exists. It, it's not even a, a mystery. The money's just here waiting for the government to decide it wants a piece of it. And now that a state like Illinois has, in fact, you know, been the leader in, in its legislators voting for it. I'm hopeful that legislators in other states are going to do that as well uh, and help kind of if you will expedite the process uh, of getting adult use in as many states as possible.
0: No absolutely absolutely and, and uh Larry I would I would I have to ask you um, while we have you so last month bob weir was uh he was supposed to play a concert at the chicago theater i I feel like you probably had tickets of course that show had to be postponed due to covid mm-hmm. uh, what are we to do what are what are the uh, the deadheads of the world how do we uh how how can we make it through this time without live music and without uh potentially dead and co companies uh shows getting postponed
1: so you know that's that's a funny question too and here's here's my answer you know really deadheads and, and fishheads and really any jam band fans we're 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 the best suited for this of all time because you know your average deadhead has listened to five times as much dead music live dead music on their cassette tapes or on their you know uh the cds driving around the country and you know cleaning their house whenever you listen to music right than you actually ever really spend in the concerts themselves or you, People sit out in the parking lot all day before the concert starts listening to live music. We go into the concert for four hours, come back out sit in the parking lot and listen to more live music. So it's kind of ingrained in us that, you know, when you're listening to the dead, there's, as long as you have access to live dead, and nowadays, you know, you've got this, this app, Relisten, or whatever it's called, where my, my kids tell me about it. I've tried to get on it, and, you know, you can go to any concert by any group. But all the dead shows, as far as I can tell, are, are a huge number of them, are available now. Well, you can pick out any show you want, um, and you can just sit down and listen to it. I'm one of those guys who, you know, sees it being sold by the Grateful Dead and has to buy it because I like pretty packaging and all of that kind of stuff. And so what my son and I did was we sat down and realized that there's a combination of all of the various lives that I've collected over the years, I've got a lot of the days of the calendar year covered. So now what we're doing here. Is we're just whatever the day is, I go find one of my live shows that lines up with the date and pop it on. And the beauty for me right now is that yesterday was April 7th, was the first day of Europe '72. A few years ago, they came out with a box set of the entire tour, which I bought myself as a birthday present, much to my wife's chagrin. But it's uh, it's wonderful to have. So for about the next 45 days, I'm covered with the entire Europe '72 tour to listen to. Uh, as we go marching through, um, not to say, being there, I, I confess, but it's kind of the next best thing to be in there. And for a group of fans, you know, who've kind of gotten used to the fact that Jerry's not here anymore, you know, we're always going to hear the best cover band around. Um, you know, it's, uh, you do what you do, but you know, when you have the tickets and the show gets canceled, it's, that's the worst of all. In uh, 1985, or 86, 86, the dead were set to come to St. Louis uh, for the first time since I had started seeing them. Um, and not only were they going to come to St. Louis, but they were going to play at the Fox Theater, which was uh, an old theater where they had played, you know, as far as we were concerned, ages ago, although it was only the late 60s, early 70s, and would play historic four- or five-hour shows there. And they were going to come back to do two shows And we all reached out and got tickets, and we all had great seats. And my parents were out of town, and my college friends were all coming in, and we were going to have a big party, and Jerry had went into this diabetic coma. And the shows were all canceled, and nobody knew what to do. Now, obviously, we were also very worried about Jerry, who luckily pulled through and and labored on for another 10 years. But, you know, even at the time, once we kind of accepted the fact that, you know, hopefully Jerry will be better, like, how can this be? You know, I've been I've been waiting to see these. Yeah, you know, Bob Weir and Wolf Brothers. I saw them last time around. If we can see them again, and Chicago a theater's a great place to see a concert. So, um, it sucks, but I'll you know just come home and throw in some live dead and have a good time anyway.
0: So a, a long strange trip, Larry. Well, we're we're grateful for all of the uh, all of the recorded live shows. We're grateful to have you on the podcast. Can't wait to have you on again. Uh, you stay safe out there, and, and we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate being on the show, and uh, any time I'd be happy to come back.
0: Thank you, Larry. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hoban Minutes special series on coronavirus and cannabis. You can head on over to hoban.law for more information on this podcast or the Hoban Law Group. If you have any ideas for subjects that we should be covering or any questions you want to pose to, to Bob or myself, shoot us an email at media at hoban.law. Stay tuned for the next episode on this special series, Coronavirus in Cannabis.